I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your word, particularly the word that we get in the Revelation that we're looking at today. We know that your truth comes to us by your revelation and we pray that what we hear would be what comes from you today. We pray that you would change our minds where our minds are wrong with regard to your sovereignty and your rulership. We pray that you would teach us and guide us in your ways and cause us to be men and women who are open to your teachings, open to your truth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read uh, Revelation 13. And it um, begins like this. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on his horns. And on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power, his throne and his great authority. One of his... One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound seemed to have been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, but they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud, and proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. He was given authority over every tribe, people, language and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. Let him who has an ear, let him hear. All, if anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, he will, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Okay, well I don't think that needs much explaining. We get that passage fully right. That was a joke. Good. I'm glad you got that. I want to give you a bit of a background story uh, to this. Firstly, we know that the revelation is not literal, it is figurative language. How do we know that? Because it tells us. Okay, this is not my theory on the revelation. Okay, it says at a number of places, the stars mean angels and the the lampstands means the church and the lamb is Jesus. Okay, I I have to say this every time when we talk, come to the revelation. Why Why do we know that do you know that when you meet Jesus in heaven, he will not be a sheep? I hope not. <laughs> right. Uh, but why does, the, why does the revelation describe him as a lamb? Because he's a lamb who has been slain as one who was slain as the lamb of sacrifice, as Jesus who took away our sins. So it's the meaning behind the lamb that gives us understanding. It's not literal language, but it's all truth. That makes sense? And I also want to tell you that we found out in chapter 5 that there is one who is able to rule over all of history. Who is? The Lamb of God. 
because he was slain, because he was the one who died for his people, he is the only one who has the authority and the right to rule over all the creation. And he is, right now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, having all authority in heaven and earth. Do you believe that? What happens to us in life is under his rulership. If we can accept that by faith, we will live peaceful lives, even in hardship. And the hardships we face are described in this chapter here, in Revelation 13. And they are great hardships. Someone has described this chapter as what is what it's called the heart and plan of evil, the deliberate movement towards dethroning God. It is the work of the evil one, Satan, and the world, rebellious humanity, with one mind and one heart, and they have one desire, to dethrone God, to replace him. Okay. They won't prevail. Can I just tell you the end right at the start? They're not going to win this war because there is one who is able to rule over history. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Do you understand that? They won't win, just, just, just in case you was worried about how this might end. Okay. But this is also what the Bible describes, if you read Psalm 2 or Acts 4, about humanity setting themselves against the Lord and his anointed one. Okay. There is a, a factor behind human rebellion in this world, and that is Satan and his powers. It's going on, okay? And throughout the New Testament, we get this vibe that the intensity of this rebellion and this darkness is going to increase towards the last days. So that's where we are. The scene begins with a dragon. Oh, I also got to tell you what happened in chapter 12, which is a long time since we studied that because we did it before Christmas. But in, the, in, in chapter 12, we had Satan the great dragon. And he, and he was standing on the shore of the sea and the sea in the Revelation represents the place where evil springs from and that's where he comes from. Okay. Now this is uh, the dragon standing on the shore but a beast comes out of the sea and this beast re- resembles the dragon. So we've got a dragon, Satan. We've got a beast who resembles the dragon. Okay. Because what this goes on to describe is this beast at work on earth who is the world. The world is not a good word to John. The world is those who are opposed to him, rebellious humanity. And what happens is what Satan's desires are to, to kill, destroy, to deceive, is exactly the same as the beast or the world's desires. Does that make sense? So if you were to look at all historical kingdoms across all of time in opposition to God, what you get is this beast. This beast symbolises that. Does that make sense? Give me a nod if you're getting a bit of an understanding of that. Right. Because it's, it's hard when we're working with, with, with symbols like this. And the Greek word where it says... Um, is coming out, the beast is coming out of the sea, is present continuous, which means it's ongoing. There is always this pouring out 
of evil coming to this earth from the heart of Satan, through the, through the historic powers that we know, through governments and so on, there's a continuing pouring out of evil throughout history. Does that make sense? Just as, now what we're going to find out later as we do the rest of the chapter is Satan always tries to mimic God. And just as on earth uh, there was the pure representation of the Father who was Jesus, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So this beast, this world in rebellion is like the representation of Satan on earth. Later on we're going to find the third part to this kind of unholy trinity. But what's happening is that uh, the evil, the evil one, is copying God. People have called him de- the the ape of the Lord. He apes, you know, mimics, mimics God. That's why you see uh, half truths are always more dangerous than complete lies, aren't they? And when when he mimics God. And he uses a form of religion and religious speak, then that is more dangerous. Now, obviously, this this beast is quite it, it's quite imposing. He has parts of a leopard and a bear and so on, and horns which represent power, and crane, uh, crowns which means he has some sort of authority. Uh, these all these images means he is strong. He is mighty. This world is strong and he rules by brute force. Or, to put it in the language, the governments that rule this earth with brute force to try and uh, impinge their will and show their glory. Okay? The thought that you might use tanks and aeroplanes that drop bombs as a way of showing your authority and strength. I'll come back to that in a minute now this beast also seemed to have some sort of a fatal wound but it looked like it had been healed we, 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 we get a picture of that later in, and we'll talk about that later but in some respects you see the beast also has to have a sort of a picture of humility it's a false humility to mimic Jesus the lamb who had been slain for the sins of his people uh, false humility in leadership is, is dangerous as well because it's deceitful. Are you getting my picture of the world and of this beast? Understand this. The only authority that this beast has and the only authority that Satan has has been given. Did you notice it said over and over again, has been given to him, has been given to him. The devil is on a leash. If you can picture it like this, the devil is a goat tied on a chain with a stake going in the ground. And he can only eat where that circle of his chain goes. Do you understand? And God's in control of the stake and God's in control of the chain. And he can shorten it and he can lengthen it, but he has no authority which is not given to him. The people worship this dragon and uh, who had been given authority for the beast, and they worshipped the beast, and they said, who is like the beast? It's like the great cry of scripture. Who is like the Lord? But they're going, who's like the beast? Who can wage war? He, this beast is too strong. Who can defeat an army with this many tanks and with this many guns? And, with this, who, and you worship, 
And we often are drawn into it. I, I, I was thinking about this this morning when I read a news article about the war in Ukraine and it was saying just how much hardware the Ukraine have. Do you know who's going to win that war with Ukraine and Russia? I can tell you this morning. It's who God wants to win. <laughs> that sounds silly. That's who will win. Don't think it's good guys versus bad guys. It's bad guys versus bad guys all the time because, you see, with, with the world... I know there's good and bad and blah, 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 and I just said something very controversial. But you see, God may be using that war to bring the West to its knees with all its pride and arrogance and sinful immorality. Or he might be using it to bring um, a, a defeat of, a, of a, a Russian nation who's evil and against, opposed to God. It doesn't matter because it's in God's plans. And he might bring about a, a simple peace plan that makes everybody get unhappy. It doesn't, at the end of the day, what will happen will be God's will. The only one who's in control of this. So if we start getting that way, that we look at, look at all F-16s. If they've got F-16s, they're bound to win this war. God can embarrass any powerful nation. The reason that the British or the Allies won World War II was because God wanted that. Does that make sense? Do you know that the Lamb is ruling over all creation? Do you believe that? Really? That Jesus is in control of this world? He is. But evil seeks to set itself up and says, who can beat me? Who can beat this? That the, the evil of this world sets itself up as undefeatable because it is trying to take the place of God. It mimics God's character, mimics his nature, and it mimics his power. And this beast utters proud words and blasphemies and exercises authority and so on, and it blasphemes God. But even it was, it was given a mouth. It can only speak because God has given it that mouth. As humanity stands proudly and says, we are better than God, there is no God, we are God, their voice that they use to say that is given to them by God and it can be taken away at any moment. People in the end and Satan make their plans against God of their own free will but God uses their corruption and their evil to fulfil his plans in the long run anyway. That's the, uh, I guess, the self, uh, self-defeating side of evil. Satan tried all his best to defeat God's son and he brought about what God had planned in advance to do. In fact, through all of his works to destroyed the son of God he ended up bringing about the salvation of mankind the forgiveness of sins because our God is far and above evil in this world is this a good news message can you hear this message okay and notice also the beast utters blasphemies about God it's hilarious that evil can't be silent about God If you are an atheist, you've got to prove that there is no God and talk about God a lot. If you're a great and well-known atheist, you've got to write a book called The God Delusion, which talks about God the whole way through. Isn't that hilarious? Right? Because 
you, there are no real atheists in this world. There are only anti-theists, those who hate God. They've got to disprove him. They can't be silent about him. If they were true atheists, they'd never mention God. Does that make sense? But he's given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. So this beast is given power to prevail against the saints. The devil always seeks to kill and murder. He does that, but his victory is short-lived. We are told that his days are short. He is extremely angry and furious because his days are numbered. He knows that he is finished. He knows that he will not defeat God. And that just makes him angrier. The Bible tells us that the devil may be able to kill and dis- kill a believer, but he has no power over their eternal fate. Can you hear that? Death is not the end because we have a saviour who rose from the dead. The devil may be able to cause the first death on us if he's given that authority, but he cannot bring about the second death because those who die in Christ go straight to the Father's side. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have, have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Do you know this? The thing that the devil wants most is worship. He wants to be worshipped. Did you notice that in the temptation of Christ, he says, just bow down and worship me. He is hanging out for Jesus to worship him. He wants worship above all. We talked about it in Bible study last week, the fact that everybody in this world is worshipping all the time. Might not be worshipping God, but they're worshipping something. They're worshipping the thing that they hold highest. They give their mind, their hearts to, their thoughts. They generally give their money towards that thing. They give their passion towards that thing. Everybody is worshipping. And you're either worshipping the God of all, or you're worshipping false idols. Okay. But the devil desires worship because uh, if, you, if you actually take the word antichrist, we, can, we use the word anti as if we say, you know, so-and-so is very anti-me, that means they're opposed to me. But the, the word behind, the, the, the Hebrew understanding and the Greek behind the word anti is actually one who sets their self in place of. In other words, the antichrist is not just opposed to Christ, The Antichrist wants to be Christ. He wants to be worshipped as God of all. You can't shut the door. (laughs) Um, The Antichrist is what, what the devil wants. He doesn't just want to oppose God. He wants to be God. That's why he said to the first couple, you know, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. Why did he tempt them with that? Because that's what he wants. His heart is to be worshipped above all. So he wanted the Son of God. There was only one thing he really wanted in all that temptation. Bow down and worship me. But all the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. That sounds bad, that word all. But then it's defined a bit more. All whose names 
have not been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Ah, there is a group who will not worship the beast. Those who are names, whose names are in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Now, this is a really, I'm sorry to get you in a bit of technical stuff here. It's a very complex verse. About half the Bibles we have are split over how to understand this verse. And I'm just going to tell you because I'm going to say they're both right. (laughs) Even though they say different things. One way of saying it is, all whose names are written in the book of life belonging to the lamb that was slain before the creation of the world. That's what the NIV says. Right? And what that means is, it's kind of like the, the death of Christ was planned before the creation of the world. And there's other verses which say this is true. But the other, ver- other way of understanding it is something like, all whose names, the saints, are written in, in the book of life before the creation of the world. In other words, all who are believers, their name was written in the book of life before God even created the world. There's also lots of other verses that back that up, like predestination verses in Ephesians 1 and so on. The guts of this is, if both of those ways are true, God had a plan for salvation through the Lamb of God before he even created. Isn't that awesome? That's, if you want to know how in control God is, he is in control of all of history from well before we were born. And secondly, that his plan extends to his believers before the creation of the world. That should give us an incredible peace. Can you see that? What can snatch you out of the Father's hands if he wrote your name in the book before the beginning of time? Nothing. Do you get that? Okay. This is the good news of the gospel, hey? This is our hope. Jesus, on our behalf, defeated evil. He defeated our evil because we are doers of evil and he bears our evil to set us free so that we can do something which is truly unlike this beast or Satan. Do you know what it is? We can submit to God. We can say, Jesus is Lord, I'm not Lord. We can serve one another because we're not the Lord of anybody else. We have one Lord and Christ. Can you you see that this gaudy, horrible evil that the devil sets up is totally opposed to the character of Christ? who gives up his life for us. He is nothing like that. It's not, it's not Jesus has got bigger muscles than the devil. It is Jesus dies for his people in obedience to the Father and the devil wants to have bigger muscles. Can, do you understand what I'm saying? Don't just think of a war of good versus evil and the one who's strongest will win in the end. Evil is nothing like the goodness of Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as I I tell you often, and one of my favourite passages in Scripture, in 1 Corinthians 15, when he is shown to be the King of all and everything is put under his feet, this is Jesus, he is ruling over all the earth, what does he do with that authority? He gives it back to the Father. When the nature of sinful humanity... And the nature of the devil is to draw all glory to to themselves. themselves. Jesus gives it back to the Father. He doesn't need to be ruler over all. He's happy being 
the Son of God at the end of time. Is this not awesome? This is our God. The book of life, just as a quick side note, is mentioned right throughout Scripture. It's first mentioned in Exodus 32, right throughout. And quite simply, if you've got your name written in that book, you've got eternal life. The Lamb's book of life. Jesus' book of life. How do you get that? By trusting in Jesus. Is there any other ways to get eternal life apart from trusting in Jesus? No, there is none. There is one way that we can be saved. Whoever has ears, let him hear. If anyone goes into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone's killed by the sword, by the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance on on the part of God's people. Okay. Who has ears to hear? That is those who have the Holy Spirit. Do you know that those who have the Holy Spirit hear the word of God? And to those who don't have the Holy Spirit, it's garbled. It's It's not understandable. The saints are given this and they're given a warning. Persecution for saints is inevitable. It will happen. Okay? And if you, in the face of persecution, fight back with the sword, with the sword you will be killed. If you're taken captive, Paul was taken captive many times. How did he fight back? In weakness. Relying on grace. That's Paul's example. When Jesus was arrested, you know, they whipped out their swords. No, this is not the way. Not passive resistance either, but joining in the sufferings of the Lamb who allowed himself to be slain and thus is exalted above all. The weapons of the Christian are not the weapons of this world. Ultimately, we overcome by the blood of Christ word of our testimony of Christ so faith is of greatest importance Jesus said the one who lives by the sword will die by the sword okay so if you think that to be a strong Christian as we heard someone say recently you know someone said to be a good Christian husband you had to uh, do martial arts to be strong they right no submit to God The one who lives by the sword will die by the sword. Or or should we be those Christian warriors who are seeking social justice? No, God is the one who will bring justice in the end. We cannot bring it. And sometimes God's plans for this world, as hard as it is for us to hear, is for social injustices to bring about his plans. So we're warned that all this will take place. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saint. That is, uh, on the saints. For God's people. In our lives, this is saying, we will have times where we feel pushed and shoved and out of control and at at the whim of all sorts of people and governments and whatever else, and that is the way it will be. We don't fight back with greater strength because we submit to the one who is over all and knows what he's doing. Does that make sense? Therefore, we have patient endurance and we remain faithful to our God and Saviour. I'm just going to sum up a bit and go back over what I've said. 
Satan desires to be worshipped. And his ways are poured out on worldly government and, 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 the, and worldly rulers and every form of authority that is there. It is evil and he is trying to take the place to be worshipped where Jesus should be worshipped. And he sets about conquering the nations by brute strength in his ways, by lies and evil and murder. He will not win. Evil will not overcome. Jesus has already defeated Satan. The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. At the cross, he destroyed the works of the devil. And by the way, he did it. He destroyed the works of the devil. Okay? So at the resurrection of Christ, the devil was completely disarmed forever. Everything is in God's hands. Throughout history, throughout our times, we will see governments and rulerships and leaderships and authorities set up with strong leadership. Often they will appear to be good and right, even godly, but they will soon be found to have sly and deceitful operations. Behind them is the false worship. You find out later in the chapter they'll often use economic oppression to control people and whatever else. And often it begins with things that look good, look godly, but they end in enslavement. And Christians can easily get caught up in the desire to build a better, more moral human government and they will too quickly fall into the same traps. There will be persecution for God's people. Christians will have patient endurance because evil's days are numbered. The devil's time is short. So, if you want to look to good government, look to the one whose government is on his shoulders. The Prince of Peace, Jesus. And we... Not the world, but the kingdom of God are those who live as he lived. We live in service, we live in love, we live in care, we live as Christ lived, in humility. Not desiring a glory of our own. The glory we have is the glory that's given to us, a righteousness from God that hasn't come from us. So... The saints live with patient endurance and faithfulness, trusting in the cross. I'm going to pray. Father, I pray quite simply that you would cause us to have understanding for this in our lives, in whatever area of our life that you need to speak it, whether it be in our personal relationships, uh, community relationships, as citizens of Australia or, or whatever. I pray that we would switch all of our hope from ourselves and from worldly strength to that of the Lamb, your Son. And that we would live simple lives, trusting in him, trusting in his power, seeking his glory above all else, worshipping you alone. And I pray that you would expose in us those desires to worship anything of the human form, human strength, that we would gladly be those who live in the weakness 
and the sufferings of Christ. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.